Okay, um, let's, without any further ado, go into the reading of today's word. If you'll stand with me for the reading of Acts 28, we have uh, our designated reader, Chris. <laughs> Chris, you have the mic. Is it working? All right, fantastic. I'll start the reading, and we'll, it will be responsive. Chris will be aiding me in that. Uh, reading from Acts 28, verse 1. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul took the snake off, off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There, there was an, an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. All together now? They, they honored, honored us in many, many ways, ways, and, and when, when we were, were ready, ready to, to sail, sail, they furnished us with the supplies, the supplies we, we needed. This is the word of the Lord. Now, won't you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father God, we thank you, Lord, for gathering us here on this last Sunday of January. And uh, tomorrow will be the first day of February. We ask, Lord, that the, each day that passes, that we will take them as, that receive them as precious gifts uh, from you that never come back again. May, make, may we make every moment, every hour count towards your kingdom and your righteousness. We ask that your presence would, Lord, uh, keep us at alert and in worship. And we ask that the preacher would be able to uh, convey uh, your heart, convey um, the insights into which we'll be able to make your, uh, your reality more clear in our lives. Uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be right and pleasing before you, and may your people be enormously blessed. In Jesus' mighty name we pray all of these things. Amen. You may be seated. Good afternoon. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it was raining on Friday um, pretty much all day, and then like towards the end when, the, when, the, when our event came, it ceased. So we had like a very a clear night. Like we were able to all hang, hang out together. It was really wonderful. And I'm um, so tickled pink to be able to uh, preach to you and share with you the uh, Word of God again today on this Sunday. Uh, we're finally at the last chapter of Acts, if you can believe it. Almost two years together, continuing with the book of Acts. I hope none of you are like, oh man, you know, already. <laughs> already? <laughs> right? So, it's unbelievable, but we're almost there. Last Sunday, we heard that sometimes, uh, during these storms, we have to stay together for the whole to be saved. Uh, family and church, they work exactly like this. I'm sure you have experienced the difference that it made for us to meet together in person on Friday night. Uh, 
I think Grace was, you, were, you couldn't make it, Grace, you couldn't make it, but uh, we're all there together. It had been a long time. We haven't done anything like that, I guess, since the pandemic started. Uh, on a few occasions, we had like a split house church. We, we were able to entertain uh, the shepherds a couple time, one time, and then uh, we had a uh, uh, one house church uh, at our place. But all together, that was the first time, and we were able to eat. We weren't able to like share an enclosed space, but we were actually outside. And um, we didn't have anything other, other special thing except the food. But the special thing was each other. When we're gathered together, uh, it's really what made the difference, I think. So think about that. Next time you're tempted to casually miss your house church meeting or your Sunday service, when you're there, it, it really counts when you're there, you know, in person. As we saw Paul breaking bread and giving thanks... Um, before they were able to eat, the men on the ship, they needed reassurance that everybody would be able to make it. Church is very much like this, especially when we're going through a storm. When we know that we're headed in the right direction, we're able to stay intact. And with this spiritual assurance alone, this leads, uh, this leads the way to not just physical survival, but going a little further. It, it allows us to... to we're able to stay intact, and with that spiritual assurance alone, it leads us to not just spiritual survival, but also to fit for physical thriving. So spiritual encouragement sometimes comes before the physical sustenance. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, this is our favorite verse, Matthew 6.33. We should probably have it memorized. Seek first, you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and your needs, what to wear, what to eat, where to live, these things will be granted to you as well. Now, uh, with, the ship struck on the, uh, with the ship stuck on the sandbar, it was being destroyed into pieces because the water kept like, you know, there was really fierce tidal waves. But just like the angel of God had told Paul, none of the men were harmed. But in the loss of the ship, the physical vessel in which they were had had to be destroyed, which went into our third teaching point last Sunday. Sometimes you do take a physical loss in order to save lives. In our case, of course, we're talking about saving souls. In the text, we're talking about lives, but in our, in our case, uh, we're in the, God is in the business of saving souls. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about handing over a man. This man, this young man was, was in an incestual sexual relationship with his father's wife. Not his mother, but his father's wife. And this is what Paul says. He says, Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. So one day we'll get a chance to dig, hear more on this subject, but there are times uh, when a physical damage is allowed so that the person's soul will be saved, the spirit will be saved. This is exactly going along in the lines of Jesus. Jesus giving up his own life for the lives of others, for the souls and the spirits of others. It's a principle that is in connection with what we're talking about here. So, and our spirits being joined with God eternally, it was a cost-intensive process. It is a free gift that we received because somebody else paid for it, but it doesn't mean that it was costless. It was a very expensive sacrifice that went into the legacy of our faith, us being able to worship God today. It didn't happen automatically. It didn't happen by itself. We take this for granted sometimes, that the, the ability to worship. I mean, if you, if you had it actually taken away, 
if our desire to worship like we're doing right now, if it was somehow taken away, then you would understand the value. There are parts in this world where Christians cannot openly worship God like we're doing right now. So uh, I, want, I want us to not take this lightly. And that was the main point of last Sunday's message is that God didn't save us uh, with mind of our, of our salvation being an end by itself, but it was with the purpose. It was a means. He saved you into coming, becoming a blessing unto others, a blessing unto salvation. Like the people that are all here, if we are truly saved by God, we will be used, our lives and our stories and your gifts that you were endowed with will be used for Him, for others being welcomed into the family, uh, into salvation. And um, Paul himself was selected among the Jews. Paul himself was a, a Pharisee among Pharisees, but he was selected into God's mission so that he could be at that particular moment in time, be the spokesperson for God, who was going to save 276 lives in that violent storm. So now let's jump right into today's text. It gets pretty interesting. But before even I go into the text, let me lead in with this first point. And I'm sure you will agree. If you've lived long enough, if you've, I mean, I'm sure I've lo- lived longer than you guys. I've lived longer than you guys, okay? And um, I'll tell you, and you could trust this from your own experience, that every storm is past. That's the first point. David, if you go to the slide. Every storm, they will pass. We can be talking about a literal storm or one of these storms that we go through in life. Even a prolonged global pandemic like the COVID-19, which is persisting into 2021, uh, this is not, it's not going to linger forever. I mean, its effect is going to be felt. We're going to all feel it. It's going to change things the way we do things from now on. There's going to be a new normal. But um, it, is, it is a kind of a storm. And when we go through a major storm in life, I want you to remember that it is something that will pass, especially true if you're going through an episode of a emotional turbulence. Uh, younger people, like a youth group and slightly older, you guys, you know, when you're young, I remember when I was young, I, I used to have like... Uh, emotional turbulence and <laughs> I don't think I have to jog my memory that far back you could ask my wife right now I, ha- I have some days when I just you know I have uh, emo- emotions that get the best of me right but the thing is it passes it's not you're not going to be link- in there forever I think about how many people could have been saved had people been reminded of just this one fact there are people out in this in the world that, that endure prolonged terminal illnesses they go through really like, hard things. Severely limiting physical conditions or handicaps. Or loss of loved ones, which is permanent. Once you, love, once you lose somebody in this life, you're not going to never see them again. But they accept this, I mean, incredible acceptance, and they have this inner resilience. But some people, they, work, they, they react in the worst possible way over something so much smaller. Like, uh, uh, let's say that somebody took your parking spot. <laughs> Like you were about to pull into like Walmart or something and, and as you were about to pull in, somebody just, you know, takes your spot. You just go, wow, you know, like you want to get out of the car and do something. I mean, we, people react in, uh, emotionally. In, in, we make like small things really big. We kind of magnify in our minds. There are people 
um, I mean, of course, that's a ridiculously simple and small example, but there are people that have committed suicide that I know uh, that, that come to my mind. It, it might have been a singular moment when things, well, things must have been pretty bad for a long time for people to, to commit suicide, but in that dip, when it gets like really, really hard and they see no other choice, the one thing that they were not able to take into effect is that even that extra low dip is something that you, it will pass, right? You gotta be able to, to look ahead into the future so that you can see the hope rising over the horizon. Like, you know that song? You guys know that song um, uh, by Jesus Culture? Although the pain may last through the night, joy comes in the morning. That's something that we experience as Christians. Even when we're going through a difficult time as an episodic thing, you know that it doesn't persist forever. It will end at a certain time. Uh, just the other Sunday, during the KSC service, our new senior pastor Daniel was sharing about how when the Hurricane Harvey had hit Houston, the area where, where they had just purchased his first home was flooded badly. Thank God that uh, us in California, we don't get cyclones or tornadoes or, or hurricanes, but when we look at the news and when we look at the map in, of the United States, Man, some of these storms, hurricanes, is devastating. I mean, when, when, when a wind like that passes, sweeps by, the homes just get dis- obliterated, totally destroyed. And uh, I guess Harvey wasn't that bad, but it certainly had flooded the whole area really bad. And uh, he went on to describe what kind of a first home this was. It was the first, the very first house that his whole family had been praying for even before its build. And during each step of the, of the build, they would stop by the site and they would pray, you know. And I, I could imagine, like, this is a brand new home. His heart just sinking to find its, its floor deep in water and rising, the water rising to damage the walls. It's one of those things that happen in life. Any ordinary person could have reacted with the fist flailing, God, why, why, God, you know. It could have been a very frustrating, anger-provoking moment. But for him, it was a kind of crisis where he, he got to witness people banding together to work on the damaged walls and helping each other. He said that he was praying with his father, and one by one, people from his house, church, people from, from Houston, the Baptist church where he, was, uh, where he was posted, they were showing up one by one, and they were rolling up their sleeves, and, and he got to witness firsthand the power of God's grace through that experience. After a group of people had come to help him, he rolled up his own sleeves and went out to the other church members' houses, and he said that he had to rise really early to help out and then come home late on some nights. And after, so he was sharing about this one time. After many, many hours of doing this, the same thing, you know, he shared that one time he could not even lift up his arm. Like the hand with, it, with which he was holding the hammer, it wouldn't go up, so he was praying. He was praying, God, please give me the strength to lift up this hammer so that I could finish. We have so many other houses to go through, right? Now, the whole city and surrounding area took devastating losses, and people had a pronounced pronounced period of, of momentary hardship. But here's the conclusion. In the end, it was something that passed. The whole ordeal is now behind them. 
Pastor Daniel is able to tell a story about this because it's in the past now, right? That's the big thing. I mean, whenever you're going through a crisis, remember that. Remember, this too will pass, right? Oftentimes, though, this is what happens. We, we ourselves, we hold on to the inner hardship. A lot of times, you know, in Christian circles, we have this thing called inner healing. You know why we have the inner healing? is because there's unresolved hurts and pains that we have not been able to let go of. We're still harboring it. We're holding on to it. And, um, and these things actually are something that we can control. We can control these things. They're coming from within, from our inside. And of course, if we can't do it all by ourselves, we ask God, we ask the Lord, please give me the strength to be able to let this go. Or maybe take away this stubborn strength that is holding on. It is sometimes bitterness and resentment. Bitterness and resentment. Or perhaps arrogance. These are attitudes that are, are most damaging to yourself and relationships, but we hold on to it anyway. But if it's something that's coming from without, if it's circumstances and situation like the COVID virus, unemployment because of it, underemployment, economic crisis because of these things, these are coming from without, these are outside of our control. We can control these things. But it is something that it will definitely pass. It will definitely pass and the better days are ahead of us. So this is why all the more it's important to keep your faith during these moments of crisis so that you don't lose your head. Because oftentimes, we make it far worse in our own minds than it actually is. Keep in mind that often these episodes of turbulence are issued as tests that we have to go through and pass. Have you guys ever gone through something like that in life? Something that's really, really difficult. You didn't know what it was. Like something strange is happening to you, and what is going on? I don't know what's going on. You realize, if you had your eyes set on God, you go, oh, okay, it's, a, it's, it's, the Lord, it's the Lord testing me. Or it's the Lord allowing me to, to test myself through this, to see, to see what, what my faith is really made of. Now, I don't want to be the one to perpetuate a stereotype, but in the, uh, we in the Korean community, we're pretty familiar with tests, aren't we? How many of you are good test takers by a show of hands? You see yourself as a pretty good test taker? Not really? I, I was expecting everybody's hand to go up, but not, not one. Well, you guys are like really humble and timid Korean, uh, Korean Americans, still within the stereotype. Uh, some of you may be really good at acing the academic tests, but I, I pray that each of us will be able to ace many of our faith tests that may present themselves in the course of our lives. Every storm passes. They're not there forever. Now, the passage today, as we enter into the text, it happens after the storm. The promise of survival of the men has been fulfilled. After two weeks of harrowing turbulence from this life-threatening cyclone called the, uh, um, the Northeaster, just like the angel of the Lord had assured Paul, they make it to the shore on an island called Malta. Do you guys know where Malta is? No? Okay, it's like, it's like when you look at the... I don't know if you, you're, you're good with geography. My geography is not as, as... It's like average, you know, average American geography. You know how like the, uh, the, the coast of the peninsula of Italy looks like a, like a boot, like a lady's boot? Okay, here we go. That's the tip of the boot. You see right there, Sicily. Sicily is like a giant island where all the, the mafiosos come from, you know, the, the Italians. Anyway... Like below there, if you see number 15, that's Malta. 
That is where the cor beloved Korean dog owners, they, we all own Maltese. We have a Maltese. The Maltese breed actually comes from that island. That's why they're called Maltese dogs, right? Anyway, they land on Malta, and, uh, and incidentally, the photo, I don't know if you saw the photo of the title page, it's actually from a, it's a scene from a shore called St. Paul's Bay in Malta. Today, it's like a beautiful tourist destination. That's where they landed, right? And just like Paul said, the ship is destroyed, but we assume that not a single soul on that ship of the 276 were, was lost, because if that were the case, Luke would have certainly mentioned it. All the men, without exception, they make it onto land. And not only that, they're taken care of by incredibly hospitable natives. They're in a distant land. In a, they're, they're strangers in a strange land. And these natives, they huddle together and they help them out. Luke comments on this, on this fact that the, the natives on the island were showing the castaways unusual kindness. Here's the first concept that I want to go over with you. Um, when we are serving God because we belong to Him, God is the God of providence. He provides for us. While we do have the storms in life, I mean, even when we're saved, we're, we belong to Christ, we can assume that, oh, now because we're saved, because we're members of the church, we're going to be steered clear from all kinds of turbulence from life. That's not how it works. God did not save us to coddle us and to protect us and all oh, these fragile my children it's not like that god is the kind of god that allows us to go through some fires he wants us to become refined he wants us to become strong and resilient when the turbulence comes he wants us to be able to stand it and, and come out of it with even stronger faith that's the way god wants it right so even in the even through the storm he will always provide this way for us to, to survive. He is a God who provides. The God who, whom we serve, the one and only, He is the God who provides. While we live our lives testifying to the grace of God, one of the things that God has us experience consistently is His providence. If you have been to a, if you have been to a, a short-term mission, you might experience this. I remember one time, I think my wife, were you? Oh, no, my wife not, was not on that particular trip. This was, wait, were you on that trip where Chris and Daniel went? Were you on a trip with Chris and Daniel? Anyway, I, I forget. Anyway, so we, we were on this mission outing to, to, to Mexico. And uh, after we were done preaching in a, in a village, like we were, we were all packing up and getting ready to go. And we're all pretty tired because, you know, we had the whole activity of VVS with the kids. And uh, one of the guys in our team, he had locked the key inside the van. So we were like, we're stranded out there in the middle of this uh, Rosarito Tijuana village and like waiting. And, and I remember if it was just only me, I would have panicked. I might have like yelled at the kid, you know. It could have been a disaster. But, you know, I said... Let's, with the smile on my face, I was like, let's, let's calm down, let's pray. And so we gather around in a circle, hold hands, and we pray. And like, as we're praying, out of nowhere, this, this Mexican pastor from, from the area, from local area, he's riding his scooter, and he has like this huge metal rod. Apparently this has happened before, so this is what he uses to wedge open the door and then gets, 
you know, get the door open and, and have us retrieve the... He was able to open the door from the inside with this thing. So when the van is shut, apparently you can kind of force a little bit of a gap. And through that gap, he was able to open it. And then, and then we opened the door and we were like all rejoicing. But that's the point is that when you're serving the Lord, he will always provide some way to get out of the jam, right? Uh, the word providence is a compound word that comes from the Latin pro, from pro, which means ahead, and videre, which means to see. Like when we say video, like when we look at the video, videography, video, it means to see. So it means literally to look ahead or to see. Foresight is what it means. Providencia in Latin words, Latin means to see, uh, foresight. So God is able to see ahead so much farther than we can. We can. You see, even animals, animals are, have this ability to prepare for a future season. You guys, have, have you ever, ever read this uh, fable by Aesop? It's a, it's a fable of the ant, the ants that are busily working diligently trying to get, store up for the, for the winter. And then the, what was the other insect that was like just hanging out, just playing? Is it, was it a grasshopper? I mean, I, I wonder. I read mine in Korean. Did you, did you guys read it in English? Have you read that fable? No, nobody has read that? Okay. Not just ants, but like squirrels. Squirrels. They will, they will like, you know, use, they'll get acorns and they'll like store for winter. And uh, so even while animals have that, have that ability to store food, human beings have the ability to, to, to plan not just for a season, but plan for years ahead into the future. When you look at the res- more responsible adults that have been working for some time in their life, you know that they have some like money tucked away for retirement, 401k or whatnot. They're looking ahead. They're looking out ahead into their, into their future. But here's the thing. We can't quite see everything. We may plan for one thing, but we can't see everything, and we cannot plan for every circumstance. There are too many variables, too many things that are totally unforeseen, just like the coronavirus pandemic. Nobody was able to really predict this. Now that it happened, people are saying, oh, the next strain that will come will be like 10 times worse. Right now, we're not even like, we're not even, we're just at the tip of the iceberg. It's going to be like, you know, people are saying much more doomsday kind of things now, but uh, that's just the reality of it. In future, we cannot predict everything. But when you follow God's will, you can bet that you will be within His providence. You'll be within His providence. You know, if He sends you out into a hostile place on a mission, when you have people that are going to go in there, like to the, uh, to the, into the jungles, uh, there's going to be a way. There's going to be a way for uh, the people to accomplish what it is that God has planned. So God is, God, the God we serve is the God of providence. And that's what's happening in our text with Paul and the, sh- and the men on that ship. They are shipwrecked, but they're able to step foot on the land safely ashore by the mercies of God. I don't know how many of you can say this about your life, but I can tell you personally, I am a witness to the providence of God. I've been in many jams where God has saved me and uh, He has provided a way for me. Everything that I enjoy in life as a Christian has been provided by God and I can make that confession honestly Uh, we notice in the text that 
it is the natives on the island who build a fire because it was raining and cold. Have you guys ever tried to light a fire in the rain? It's not an easy thing. I remember making a comment. I remember sharing with one of the elders back in the, the church I was serving in Arizona. Uh, building the ESC at any Korean church is like sometimes building a fire in the rain. Paul gathered up some brushwood, and just as I would have done when he was putting the brushwood into the fire, a viper. You guys know what a viper is? It's not Dodge Viper, that big race car. We're talking about a poisonous snake. When we use the language viper, it's usually referring to a, a snake, a venomous snake. And it latched on with, its, with its fangs into Paul's hand. And um, I, I personally have never experienced a snake bite. And I pray that none of you will. Because a viper strike is dangerous. Local to our area here in Southern California, what's the, what's the species that we have? You guys know? Ever go camping? What are the warnings that you see? What kind of vipers do we enjoy on this, on this, in this area? You guys know? Rattlesnakes. They actually give you a little warning. They, they have a little... If you get bit by a, a rattlesnake and you start panicking, you, know, you have like a 50-50 chance that you're not going to make it because you have to be rushed to the emergency room. Let's say that you go into shock. Man, you could very possibly die. That's the scenario we're talking about. The locals, they were pretty sure that Paul was going to swell up and, and then maybe die, get really sick, throw up, and then go into shock and die. But that didn't happen. I mean, Paul was probably pretty calm. I mean, he, he, probably, he probably went, ouch, what the heck? But he wasn't like panicking or anything. And uh, the interesting thing is that uh, the natives, the natives think that this man must have been a murderer because we have this primitive thinking when bad things happen to people, it must be because they did something wrong. Like if you got into an accident that day, or oh, you must have thought something like hateful about your neighbor or about God or something. But that's not what happened, right? We see here that uh, after nothing happened to Paul because of the protection of God, they, they jump to the conclusion that he must be a God. So, so this is what they say. They say, okay, he must be a murderer who somehow escaped his fate of being you know, drowned in the sea. He made it to the island, but the justice, they have, this, they have this goddess that they were serving, goddess named Justice, came, and uh, that's why he's bit by the snake. And they were like probably watching him, certain that he was going to swell up and die, but that didn't happen. Second point of today's message is this. If you'll go to the slide, David. When we are serving God because we belong to Him, there is the protection of God. One of the things that we can be assured of is the protection of God. Whenever we go on a short-term mission, just this last uh, winter break, just before the turn of the year, Peter, sitting back there, he, was, uh, he went to Africa. Was it three weeks that you went? Three weeks, right? And I remember, as we were sending him off, there was something that I, I was a little worried because this was the first time he's going by himself, flying, what, 24-plus hours through Amsterdam and going, and I'm going, man, I don't, I don't feel, I feel uneasy about this. Like, if I had, if I had a choice, I would, I would rather go with them. But, man, even, even though there was a little hiccup on the way back, having lost three days, 
they all came back with uh, very strong, amazing testimonies of what God is doing safely. When you're doing the will of God, even if, even if you are the, the person who is due to give his life or her life as a martyr to Christ, even when, you, when you're like that, until that purposeful day, every single step of the way will be protected by God in immeasurable ways. That is something that we can take away with confidence, right? There's a providence of God for the things that we need to do in the purpose of the life that you were given by the salvation that we're afforded. And we also have the protection of God whenever we're going through crises, whenever we're coming after the crisis, even after the storm, we have Paul that's being taken care of even though we have the snake that, that bites him. I think there's something symbolic going on here. Although this is something that really happened uh, with the snake biting, uh, biting Paul and then having uh, no ill effect because later on we do see that the people that are people that are protected by God in such ways, they, they, they go through these, uh, these things where, where if, if it was a normal person, it would have surely, they would have surely been hurt, you know. Like uh, Pastor Charlie Cho the other day, he got coronavirus, you know. And while some people go to the, the hospital and get really sick, after a couple of weeks, he was like, he just kind of brushed it off like it was like a common cold. So, uh, and I'm not trying to say that if something bad happens to you and if you don't make it, that you didn't receive the protection of God. That's not what I'm saying. But I want you to just know that in text here, and also in principle in life, we do receive the protection of God, and that is something that we, uh, we, are, we are accounting for every day, right? As Christians, we can be sure that God is protecting us each and every time we're doing His will. Now, what's happening in the text afterwards is interesting. Wait, something that I didn't, I didn't go over. So first, the islanders... They think that Paul must have done something wrong. So, so that's why the snake bit him in the hand. But since nothing happened to him, what was their conclusion? They, they think that he must be a god. I think when Luke writes this, he's trying to highlight the comedy. Because the people, we, we're very simple-minded that way. People, we, we really think like when something bad happens, oh, that person might have done something wrong. And when, when you get bit by a snake and you shake it off like nothing happened... Of course, you know, they, got, they might think something, I mean, if they're primitive people, oh, this must be a very powerful person. I mean, they jump to the conclusion that they must be a god. I remember when I was in Arizona, I don't know if it was after I got married or before I got married, there was a, there was a mosquito craze in the Arizona area. And I forget the species of the, the, the mosquito. It, it had like the black body and a white stripe. And uh, it carried the Zika virus. It had an African virus or dengue. It was one of those dangerous mosquitoes. And, and just as I heard news about it on the media, I don't know if it was like through Facebook or whatever, it was one of those media. And then I remember getting bit by a bunch of mosquitoes just that day. And I remember catching one in my office, and I look at, and I look at the shape of the mosquito, and I look at the picture of the, of the guys that are causing the the virus, and I'm comparing the shape, and I go, they, oh my God, they, they look exactly alike. And I go, oh man, I'm done. Right? I was like panicking a little bit, and uh, I was getting fever, 
And I remember like getting like a pain in my ankles, but I didn't feel it before. But then like, you know, a few days later, it just went away. I don't know if it was Zika virus. I don't know if it was something that was threatening in that way. But uh, surely I felt that the protection of God was there. Now, um, as the storm has ended and Paul are Paul and his men are in the, in the island, uh, what happens now is that within the providence of God, they are actually hosted by an official, a chief official of the island by the name of Publius. So this is like an Italian name probably, right? And uh, he invites them into their home, and uh, they were enjoying their hospitality for three whole days. And... <laughs> I don't know what kind of a person this must have been. It must have been a very wealthy person. And I don't know which members of that boat were the ones that were entertained and hosted. I mean, if it was 276 men that he was able to host for three days, that's a very wealthy person, I would imagine, right? He says right here, uh, Luke, that, that he, sh- he showed generous hospitality for three days. They were being fed and they were given a place to sleep. And as, as what happened, uh, there was someone who was sick. Publius's father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. So what happens? Paul goes in and he prays for him, places his hands on him, and he healed him. This is the third point of today's message, is that in the mission of God, as we belong to God, as we're saved creatures of God, when we're doing God's will, there is the prosperity of God. Now, I want you guys to get this very, very clear. A lot of times there are preachers out there that are preaching prosperity gospel. This is not the prosperity gospel that I'm trying to forward or advance. What I'm telling you is, when you are serving God and God wants something done, He'll make sure that person gets those things done. Was Paul the person was, who was capable of healing people? Did he have the power within himself? No, I don't want to say that Paul himself had it. Even though in the book of Acts, even the handkerchief that he was using had the miraculous power to heal people, it was God. It was God through Paul to get that, to get that mission accomplished. You know, It was God in the first place who had made Publius and had placed him in, uh, in Malta, who was the chief official of that place. That's all within the providence of God. And Paul, even though they had the rain and the storm, even though they were like, you know, being really violently shaken in the, in the ocean and uh, they were on the verge of death, they were all able to land on the island. And I guarantee you, from the 276 men, even the most hardened of hearts would have witnessed for a moment, would have gotten a glimpse of God's mercy and His goodness. If you were from among the 276 people on that ship, wouldn't you have felt gratitude just for a moment that there was somebody like Publius that was able to take you in and give you some food and clothes, maybe some dry things to wear, maybe some, some, some more dry to sleep in, right? So, as every storm, they do pass, and after it passes, we don't take for granted the providence of God. We don't take for granted the providence of God. It's sometimes it's only during the storm we call out to God, God, I need help, right? You know, like today's uh, QT was uh, when, when, when Jesus was saying, let's go to the other side. And then, the, and then in the Sea of Galilee, the boat was like 
about to capsize, and Jesus is very tired under the deck, falling asleep, and the disciples are asking him, don't you even care, Master, that we're going we're gonna to perish? And then he gets up and then he calms, calms the waves, right? It's usually during the moments of crisis that we call out to God, but after the storm, when it's all tranquil, when it's calm, don't take for granted the providence of God. God is providing for us the moments that we enjoy. God is providing for us the space in which to worship and the technology through which we can connect each other. And don't take for granted the people that, have, that are around you, the people that are, are with you, being in your house church and showing up, being there. The prosperity of God in this place um, is, is demonstrated not just by the generosity that was shown by Publius and, uh, and the people there on Malta Island, but also the fact that, that God was, was uh, providing the healing through Paul. Paul was able to repay their, 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 uh, their hospitality with gratitude and actual healing. I mean, if I was Publius and this stranger that came off of a crash boat, a shipwrecked um, body, you know, group of castaways, and he, if, he came in to, if he came in to pray, that would be an unforgettable experience for me. I would have never forgotten that person. I would have never got, forgotten Paul. It would have been something that would have definitely gone in my journal. It would have been a story that would have been told for generations down the line. There was this man that came with 276, 20, 275 other people, and we took care of them. But this man prayed to his God, and my father, your grandfather, if I was talking to my, my children, was healed. Right? That is the kind of uh, prosperity that we're, we're seeking. We're seeking the kind of prosperity where... We don't just amass our riches. We don't just get our power, status, and privilege by our association in the churches. But the kind of prosperity where, where all the blessings that we receive are freely imparted and shared to, to a moment in time where both parties can have the gladness of heart for the God who does these things for us. When was the last time you were able to remind the person around you to be glad that God is alive, that God is real. Or at least even the most hardened, toughened hearts that, that don't believe in God, because of your steadfast attention on Him, they were able to have a moment, like an aha moment, a eureka moment, where the light bulb goes, off, goes, goes on in their heads, like the light finally shines in darkness and says, oh my gosh, maybe this God that you're talking about is, is true. Just with that one sign, one sign, one gesture, one person being healed, the rest of the sick people on the island came one by one. And then they were, getting, they were receiving the cure. They were receiving healing. And so uh, it turns out when you, when, you, when you scan the history of Paul's stay in Malta, they stayed there for about three months. For three months they're doing this. So as, a ship, as shipwrecked castaways, they're in this island... Sub, you know, below uh, Sicily, and they're ministering to the natives in Malta that had all kinds of health ailments, uh, maybe uh, demon oppression, and doing the exact same thing that is within the mission of God, which is to place hands on them and to heal them both spiritually and physically. Uh, I know at least one person here that is a uh, 
looking to become a physician of a sorts, right? You're going to be in the health profession. So you're going to be looking to heal people, make, making, you know, improving people's lives from the discomforts and things that ail us. Right? But even if you're not a medical professional per se, each and every one of you who know Jesus, who know His powers, you have, you have the ability to share that confidence and to reassure people that may be going through very, very anxious times right now. You may, within your circle of friends, have somebody who I was just describing at the, at the beginning of the message who is going through a low or has been struggling with something of a, just a depression through most of their adolescent lives. It's just going to take one shove, one nudge, and they will, they will forget that the sun will rise tomorrow. Is perhaps in those times where you can be like Paul, in your confidence of your own salvation, go out there and speak life and light into that person so that their countenance will change. They will be able to also be able to uh, marvel that throughout their times, because of the bleakness of their minds, you know, that they, they couldn't see it before, you remind them that God is real and that He provides the days, both the good days and the bad days, right? And also that He'll protect that person. As far as I know, as, so far, so far, knock on wood, right? So far, nobody in NBC has been infected with the coronavirus. That's from my understanding, right? Isn't that true? Somebody's nodding their heads, right? Nobody in the ESC, right? And uh, prosperity, that's, the, that's the, um, the last thing. Prosperity is not just about us getting rich, but God getting His way through us. Prosperity is when He has something beautiful that He wants to accomplish in His great and vast and majestic plan, that coming into fruition in a beautiful way, that is the prosperity of our aims and our goal. And to take part in that, to be a part of that, it's probably one of the most beautiful things that you can be a part of. I hope and pray that each and every one of us here at this church, especially here in the ESC, will be able to taste that. And that every day and, and every week and week in and week out will come out more and more confident of sharing this with others. Amen? All right, let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father God, we thank you, Lord, for... Uh, I can't believe that we already made it to the 28th chapter of Acts. And uh, as we slow down a little bit and we dig deeper into what you have been doing in this historic account of, of your first church and uh, of your missionaries, your apostles, and Paul, and the life of Paul. Lord, uh, we know that th this story continues. Uh, we've even heard of pastors preaching Acts 29. Lord, help us be in that chapter. We ask that you would write your story through our lives and that we would, Lord, just so eagerly be a part of your providence and, your, and receive your protection and enjoy your, your prosperity. In Jesus' mighty name we pray all of these things. Amen. Now at this time we have a time of responsive praise, after which we'll have a time of offering.